0: Good morning. This This is Attorney Vincent Davis. The show is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCF. The secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box <clears throat> at the state and local levels let us unite vote and elect those who will make the necessary changes good morning today's show we're going to take a few calls i'm going to tell a couple stories give some information and then at 8:30 we have a popular guest returning former cps social worker from riverside county terry greenstein He will be calling in and sharing his thoughts with us and giving you information on how to deal with social workers uh, right before your first hearing, the detention hearing. Um, I spoke to him about that a couple of days ago, and he was telling you some things that even I didn't know. Uh, So please stay tuned for his call in at 830. On my agenda on Monday at 9 a.m. I have to report to trial in San Jose. I believe that's Santa Clara County for a juvenile case. Uh, It's scheduled to go five days. And it's not, the case is not going to be done before before a juvenile judge. It's going to be uh, be done before a regular civil judge. I'm I'm not sure whether this judge has any juvenile experience. But I did get a pre- trial order from her and her clerk that applied to all of the attorneys. And it feels like I'm going to be involved in a case where perhaps there may be uh, more emphasis on the evidence code, more emphasis on the code of civil procedure, as well as the welfare and institutions code. So I will keep you posted and let you know how that case turns out. Uh, hopefully next Saturday. Um, the case involves a woman who had three children and was taking care of them just fine. She got pregnant and she had another baby. As a result of having the baby, she said allegedly she had some type of episode. They um, the doctor committed her on a 5150 hold, and that same day they threw a mental facility and. She was released the next day with the facility telling her that she didn't need to be there. There was nothing wrong with her. Even though that happened, uh, CPS came in and took the children and um, had the children in foster care, a couple different foster homes. And the fight so far in the case has been to get the children released to relatives and or nephrons, family friends. And eventually, um, after kicking and screaming and filing motions and, you know, uh, that sort, uh, the social workers have finally placed the children in the mother's, I believe it's in the mother's home with family friends who are taking care of the children. Mother, of course, is not allowed to reside there at this time because they think she's such a dangerous woman. Um, a couple of funny things about that case. My client knows personally someone who is the son of a very, very famous nationally known politician. I'm not going to mention the name. and during the case and the investigation, uh, the social worker wrote something in the report to the effect that she must be crazy. <clears throat> excuse me, she claims to know so and-so who in that Bay Area is a very well-known person and businessman and, you know, the son of this nationally known politician. Um, Later on in the case, I get an order that the social worker has to go interview this gentleman, and the gentleman says to the social worker, yeah, I know her. Known her for years, known her kids, you know. um, And I, I think he said, yeah, she's not not that crazy? She takes great care of her kids. Another thing the social worker used against my client was my client had mentioned to him that she owned real estate in uh, some valuable real estate in San Francisco. And he wrote in the report, see, she's crazy. She says she owns millions of dollars in real estate in San Francisco. Uh, So my client, I instructed my client to get a real estate attorney from San Francisco to write a declaration saying, yeah, I'm her attorney and she has owned, uh, you know, very valuable properties in San Francisco. So I I can't wait to get the social worker on the stand during the trial and ask him about these things like, oh, you you thought she was crazy because she claimed to know Mr. So-and-so and she claimed to own real estate. But now you've talked to these people. And she really does know this person. She really owned or owns real estate in San Francisco. She has a, you know, kind of a big time real estate attorney. So, uh, you know, I've done many, 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 many of these cases over the years. And, you know, I can generally, I'm not an expert. Okay. I'm not an expert at mental health, but I can usually sit down with people and after talking to them, I can tell, you know, whether there's going to be, whether there's an issue, just gut level feeling, just like many of you listeners can tell. Um, But we're not experts. We can't say for sure whether this person is, you know, psychologically impaired that they can't take care of the children. Now I've talked to this woman, I've spoken to her many times face to face. I'm telling you there's nothing wrong with this lady. Um, The only thing wrong with her is that she's uh, frustrated and a little upset because she lost her kids and they, won't give her back to her. Give them back to her. The other thing that I think that's going on in this case, dared to go out of the county and hire a private attorney like me to come in and put these people to the test, and I think they're making her pay for that as well. But I will keep you posted on that before our test. Our, our guest Terry calls in. Let me take a call first call I'm going to take is from area code 661, ending in 9-3. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask?
1: Yes, um, I have a question. How are you this morning?
0: I'm doing fine. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. I recently had gotten my two kids back with diabetes, and I'm a single mother. Um, recently um, DCFS failed to disclose to me that there was a timeline on which they had to either close my case or take my kids. Um, Like I was explaining to the social worker supervisor yesterday, I should have known if I only had a year to manage my kids' diabetes or you guys take my kids back. Uh, Like I told patient for three months, there was a MCPC. The social worker never showed to sign the paperwork. So when I went to court a week after my MCPC, um, I was told that my all the goals and everything, preservation, is not keeping my family in my home like it's supposed to be because she did not sign the paper. And um, they put a warrant for removal, and I don't know how that's going to go and i don't get the results till monday so what do you have any suggestions i told my lawyer if there's a way that she could um talk to the warrant desk for me and tell them my side of the story or, or she never um she told me no she could not interfere i just had just had to wait for the results and i feel like my lawyer is she's a free lawyer from um dcfs and the what the court provides like they're never on my side
0: So you had an open case, and now they've taken the kids away again. Is that what you're telling me? No,
1: they haven't taken them away again yet, but they put in a warrant for removal to take it away again because of some time limit that they should have notified me about when they gave me the kids back.
0: Okay. Are your kids sick or damaged from uh, this diabetes that wasn't wasn't taken Uh, care of?
1: No, they're not sick. What it is is that the A1C, it went up when they were in foster care, when they first came home, the A1C was like at nine. And right now, uh, my daughter, she's 13. And the A1C went up. And I'm trying to explain to them. I've been telling them all along, like, my kids, they like to take food about my refrigerator. Um, and I'm buying healthy snacks. But everything you eat turns into carbs. So, like I was explaining to the social workers all along, even when the real worker who filed this warrant for removal, she took two leaves. You, I asked you several times, what can I do to stop them from taking food out? You know, you guys are. She tells me all the time, I'm not a doctor, I can't tell you. And her her supervisor explains to me yesterday. She says, yes, I'm sorry that we dropped the ball. But you just have to wait for the results to come in on Monday, like, like your lawyer says. And if they approve the warrant for removal, then we're going to take the kids again, even though your worker took two leaves of absences, and we were not coming to see you and giving you information on your case like we should have. So I don't know what to do with that information.
0: Um, and you but say you I don't think it's attorney. fair to me
1: or fair to my kids. I'd
0: have to agree with you. So much you've told me. Uh, you said you talked to your attorney and said that there was nothing that, that could happen.
1: My, I asked my attorney if she can notify the warrant desk because all this happened. I guess I had court last week Tuesday, but I guess that last week Monday they already issued a warrant of of removal. And like I explained okay, so to my this- uh, my lawyer previously, that the, the worker has been threatening me since she's been back for a month. She just came back in February. She's been threatening me to just remove my kids. Oh, you don't have the, the this app um working that I told you to download, like I showed her with contour on the phone. My kids um meters do not work with that app. They only work and connect with a contour app. And I explained um, all that to her and so she thinks that I'm failing to um get the app that she requested but that's not been her little warrant for removal. I really don't know what all is in there, but the only thing I know that for sure is what her supervisor told me is they're trying to say when my kids were in foster care that their A1Cs was at 7 and 8, and that's a lie. Because if their A1Cs was at 7 and 8, I would have known because I was there at every doc- doctor's appointment even while they were not in my care.
0: What's their A1C right now?
1: My daughter's is 14, which is really bad. I do agree. It's very bad for her health. But like I explained, you know, she's stealing um, food. Well, not stealing because it's her home. But she's taking food without asking. So because I tell her all the time, like, you know, if you do this, I have to take away your telephone. You know, I take away her phone for weeks at a time. And it still doesn't do nothing because she's just like, oh, whatever. But I told her all she had to do was ask me so I can give her a shot. You know, or she can give herself a shot because she knows how to do it and she knows what she's she's supposed to get. But I'm just there to supervise like we agreed on when she went to the doctor because the doctor's seen how aggressive she gets even when I just try to help her. Like my kids tell me all the time, like, I'm so mad at you. We went to foster care. think that, like, they're doing taking the food because, of, uh, because they're still mad, you know. I really don't know, but I talked to their therapist, and I'm waiting for a psychiatric evaluation for my daughter. I've been doing that for three months.
0: When's, and, the, last um, taken do- when's the last time you've taken your daughter to the hospital? Doctor?
1: Oh, she went to the doctor on March 5th. She she frequently, very frequently, she goes to, to the doctor. That's, that, that's not a problem. She
0: Does goes every, very
1: frequently. Her- All
0: right, one second. the doctor Does the doctor know that her A1C is 14? Yes. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I know that's very high, kind of dangerous. Yes. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so what your lawyer can do is file a motion or a writ to challenge the warrant. And, you know, that writ will have legal points and authorities in it. And will also have your declaration, maybe some uh, exhibits, uh, you know, from the doctor's office showing that you are managing this through the doctor's office. Um, yes, yeah, because she, if, she, they I, I the, if they take all the, the time. if they take if they take the if they take the child away from you, it's probably going to make matters worse because she's exactly. going to be more stressed and more eating. I mean, what she's doing at your house, she'll do it at the foster home. So. Yeah it's one of those cases where, you know, they are, it's a knee jerk reaction by the social workers, especially if the social worker doesn't like you. Um, But they should probably focus on working with you and the doctor and a medical team to try to get this child's A1C down. So, and, you know, if it's 14, I mean, has the doctor told you, um, you know, about exercise and drinking water to help, you know, yes. more She
1: said okay. um she said make sure that she drinks more water, which she we've already been um no juices, just water and Gatorade. Those were her um orders, Gatorade zero. So she said that those are things that's going to hydrate her body and they're going to um lower the A1C. She eats lots of green vegetables already for her diet cuz we have a we have a nutritionist that I've had since October. Okay,
0: good. And, yeah, and so, she you know, helped I'm, I'm me not, like, prepare a,
1: meals and stuff. So um, I'm
0: not a nutritionist. I'm not a nutritionist, but doesn't Gatorade have a lot of sugar in it?
1: Gatorade Zero has none.
0: Oh, Gatorade Zero. Okay, very good.
1: Yeah, she has. the, the okay. doctor recommended water and Gatorade Zero because Gatorade is Perfect. a hydr a drink of hydration. Mm-hmm. She said, "Sometimes even drinking water, the body can still lack like hydration." Um, right. I didn't do that. so until so she told me. So she said, "Water and Gatorade Zero, those are good." So that's just what she have well,
0: been drinking. Well, mm-hmm. well, do 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 this favor for me. Talk to your attorney or email your attorney and ask mm-hmm. your attorney about the the Ritter motion to challenge the warrant. Okay.
1: Okay, and then what do I do when she does not reply? Because I already messaged her, emailed her, because I verbally asked her, and then I emailed her, and I still have not have yet to get a response back.
0: I would say contact her office and ask to speak to her supervisor. Okay. All right, and then okay. email the supervisor.
1: Okay. We'll definitely do that right. because this whole, um, they have not been up on my side. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for calling and keep listening. I w- take another call from area code 209 74. Good morning, you're on with Attorney Good morning. Do you have a story to tell or a question Good morning. I asked?
2: Um actually I have a a story an a- answer to the question I had last week and I know you have 10 I have 10 minutes so <clears throat> I wanted to Keep you updated, like you said, Mr. Vincent and uh, Mr. Davis. And then also I have a question to ask. So um, I did do the Marston hearing. Um, As you know, I called in last week, and I, like the previous caller, have a hard time with um, responses from um, the public defender. So we did have the Marston hearing. I did not have...
0: Wait, ma'am. Ma'am, hold on a second. Yes. Because I just (laughs) want to tell the um, audience... The last caller was from Los Angeles County. Which county are you from?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, San Joaquin.
0: Okay, San Joaquin. All right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I just got a call from someone in San Joaquin yesterday about taking on a case. But, yeah. Go ahead and pass uh, your story.
2: So, so, go ahead. Um, this is Vanita, by the way, um, Mr. Davis. So, as you know, my story, um, I did do the Mar- Marston hearing. Um, I did not have to file, which was wonderful. Um, the the, um, the judge went ahead and allotted me the time to explain to him that I had a strategic problem with my public defender and we did not agree on um, the strategies uh, for my case. He did not relieve her. However, I'm encouraged because he said there was something this Marston hearing is sealed, but if it, if our case has to be appealed, it, it, are the appellate are the appellate judges allowed to hear the arguments unsealed from the Marston hearing?
0: Yes, the answer is yes. Okay,
2: awesome. Thank you. Um, so um, we did start the beginning of the jurisdiction and disposition. Um, the judge. I was confused even after talking with you and listening to you and trying to um glean as much as I can. Um, he asked me if I wanted to continue to uh to trial the jurisdiction cuz we're still in jurisdiction at this point cuz he said, you know, if we keep if we keep going this way, um, it's going to delay your everything's going to be delayed. And so I said, no, I want, I want to keep going. But Mr. Davis, for the jurisdiction, is there a trial for the jurisdiction, a hearing for the Absolutely. jurisdiction, or is it the disposition that has the trial?
0: You can have a trial on the jurisdictional phase and on the dispositional phase of the case. A lot okay. of courtrooms okay. do, a lot of courtrooms, hold on. This is very important. A lot of courtrooms do the jurisdictional and dispositional hearings together, all right, to save time. However, I've noticed a small trend, especially with um, uh, some judges who are newer to dependency. They are doing the jurisdictional uh, hearings separately, and then they go straight into the dispositional hearing. So, what yeah. you and your attorney have to make sure that you're that the judge is only during the ju- doing the jurisdictional phase of the case, and not the dispositional, because there are a lot different uh, pieces of evidence and questioning of witnesses and presentation of witnesses and other evidence uh, that you know they're different through two separate hearings. One, the jurisdictional mm-hmm. is to prove whether the petition is true or not. In other words, are you a current risk to the children And um, by preponderance of evidence? This juris- the dispositional hearing is are you a substantial danger, not just a danger, mm-hmm. a substantial danger to the children, and there's no less restrictive alternatives. Let me repeat that. And there's no less restrictive alternatives. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, you have to be a pretty bad, you know, dude to be a substantial danger without less restrictive alternatives, you know. And, you know, I don't know you, but you don't sound like you're that type of person. I remember you told your story, and it seems all issues have been resolved. But, you know, I I haven't reviewed the case, haven't reviewed, reviewed the file. Um, I'll tell you something, I did a case in another county um, a few weeks ago, and I got the feeling, well, here's what happened, the social worker's attorney, the county counsel, argued to the judge that at the dispositional hearing, that all they had to do was prove risk of detriment, although the judge didn't say anything about that, um, when I got up, I said, no, they have to prove by clear and convincing evidence that the parent was a substantial danger, which is much different than risk of detriment, and that they had to prove that there were no less restrictive alternatives. In other words, if Mm -hmm. the court found that you were a substantial danger, but they didn't prove that there were less restrictive alternatives, or there weren't less restrictive alternatives, according to the statute, you're supposed to win and get your kids back. And yes. I got the feeling that, and we argued about this for a second, and then I finally had to pull the code out and read it. And, and I got the feeling, although the judge never said anything, but I got the feeling the judge was a little surprised about that, of what the status of law, because the county council had been arguing on my case and probably cases, other cases before mine that the, the, the standard was uh, risk of detriment by preponderance of evidence. At the dispositional hearings. and that's not the standard. It's clearly wrong. The interesting thing was, Correct. when The court was, was court was making its ruling. The court found that the parents were a substantial risk of danger by clear and convincing evidence, but the judge never said anything about the issue that I brought up about the less restrictive alternatives because the social worker never, um, you know. Talked about that, or any report talked about that. So that particular phase of the case, in my opinion, was um, you know it's it's empty, it's blank, and we're and one of the reasons why we're appealing is to appeal that you know there was not any further evidence on that issue.
2: Correct. So I have one quick question for you. <laughs> um, two quick questions for you. Do we have to participate? Because CPS is just completely not giving up. Do we have to um, participate in any conferences or anything with them uh, until the outcome of this case?
0: You know, that's a very interesting question. I'm going to give you my opinion, which I believe is in the minority. And there may be cases that may go against what I'm going to tell you. So be – Alert to that, and you know you need to talk to your attorney up in San Joaquin Valley because you know they may do things differently. Um,
2: mm-hmm. I did
0: a case in san joaquin San Joaquin County uh, a few years ago, and it was um, let's just say it was different from what I was used to in appearing in uh, you know cases in other counties, especially in Southern California, mm-hmm. having said that, it is my opinion. That until the court takes jurisdiction after the disposition hearing, that okay. you do not have to participate. That you do not have to participate in those meetings. That is a minority okay. view. That is a minority view. Okay. Most people, most people, most attorneys, and most judges will tell you that you should be participating in these meetings. Now, okay. The reason why. The reason why I tell people don't participate in the meeting unless I'm there is because the social workers kind of use this meeting to get further evidence to use against you during the jurisdictional Absolutely. and dispositional hearings. You know, Absolutely. that's not what those meetings are for. The meetings are for trying to resolve the case. And I once mm-hmm. asked um, a county council if they would agree to um, – not use anything that was said or discovered in the meeting against my client at the time of the jurisdictional and dispositional hearing, and their response was no. But they'll tell you the purpose of the meeting is trying to work things out. And in California, right. although it's not called a although it's not called a call to mediation, in California, things that happen in settlement discussions and mediations are generally not admissible. I mean, there's a strict bar against it ever being brought up in court, no matter what was said or done. So I kind of use that standard. I'm in the minority. Um, A lot of judges want you to cooperate with the social worker and try to resolve things with the best of your parents, excuse me, of your children. So, you know, if you you follow my advice, um, and I'm not on the case, You're going to be, you know, you might be hard-pressed. You should follow the advice of your attorney. And if your attorney says go, I would go. I would invite your attorney to go with you. I would ask the social worker, hey, can we we tape the meeting just so you don't misunderstand what I tell you or what I say or how I act. You know, every once in a while, you know, I get cases where people have gone to meetings before I represented them. And the social worker Mm -hmm. says, you know, uh, At the meeting, the parent admitted to the abuse. At the meeting, the parent was belligerent. At the Mm -hmm. parent meeting, you know, cussed me out or something like that. And I asked Mm -hmm. the parent, well, is any of this true? Mr. Davis said, none of it's true. Who do you Mm -hmm. believe? And it's so cheap to tape or videotape, you know, a meeting these days. The argument was many years ago, oh, it's too expensive to have that kind of equipment. Now, everybody in the room who has a cell phone can tape or videotape the meeting just so there's right. no misunderstanding but in in, in my home county and here in l a county they don 't want to have, they don 't want that done now i've heard in other right. counties that they do that they do it because they don 't want you know any problems themselves, but you know right. these right. types of cases it 's easy for you to be pencil whipped it 's easy for a social worker to write in a court thing that are just slanted just a little bit, you know, against you, but enough knowing that you were going to lose the case. Um, I did a case up north um, in a county not too far from you. And the social worker, my client wanted to uh, take the uh, social worker's interview. Social worker said no. And sure enough, uh, the social worker rights in the report something that my client says. You know what, Mr. Davis, I didn't say that, and that's why I wanted to take mm-hmm. the uh, you know the meeting. So you know we're probably in the middle of things changing, but right now, if I were you, I would take the advice, not what I'm giving you on the radio, because I'm not, you know, but I haven't reviewed your case right? I I, I would yeah. take the advice of your attorney, but just asking me that raw question off the cuff. That's what I tell people. Usually, when I represent them in cases. Okay, but I, I, want to
2: Davis, encourage the other
0: I want to encourage okay. you. I, I want to say this again. I want to encourage you to take the advice of your attorney. Go yes, I am. Uh,
2: if I can get a hold of her. And the other thing is, the other question I wanted to know is if it's possible, uh, you're not too far from us. We're willing to go to San Jose this week and just shake your hand because. You are amazing, and I appreciate everything you've done for me and my family. So, we will. My husband and I would love to just meet you in person and shake your hand and give you a hug and say thank you. So I'll hopefully um, you're not too far. You're like 60 miles away from us. And a lot. Um, hopefully we can arrange that. I'll I'll uh, I'll call your office. Hopefully we can arrange that because I really appreciate you so very much.
0: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And to let you know this, on on Monday night, if you guys can be there Monday after court, I'm going to go out to dinner. I'll take you and your husband out to dinner. And oh, we'll get to know each other a little okay. bit better. Um,
2: okay. okay? Um, so, yeah. Well, all, arrange all, it with, all arrange all it with my front desk. Okay, we'll do. Thank you so much, Mr. Davis. Have a great day, and we will keep listening. God bless all of us.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. I think that may be the first time I actually meet a listener from outside the county of Los Angeles okay I'm going to we're running out of time and I think Mr. Greenstein is on the phone let me see if this is him hi Terry good morning
3: yes good morning how are you
0: I'm doing well thank you Terry, I, I know you've yes. said this before on the show, but I, say it again for the people who haven't heard you. Tell us who you are, what you do, and what you used to do, and then tell us what you're going to talk about today on the show.
3: Okay. Well, my name's Terry Greenstein. I'm a former social worker for the County of Riverside. I spent 14 years there doing just about everything. Um, to be told what to do rather than me making a decision, and I left. Now, I work as a forensic social worker. I'm a member of the National Association of, uh, excuse me, of social workers, forensic social workers. What I do is I will, uh, well, I work with Vince, and when I get cases from him, either federal lawsuits or even, uh, CPS reports, uh, I evaluate them, write a report, and um, we've won a couple cases. So I, uh, I enjoy what I do because I think that social worker malfeasance, uh, malpractice is uh, getting worse, and um, we have to stop it. And I'd like to start just really quick, Vince with a quick story. Um, I have a client now, um, and it's out of Riverside, it's a CPS case. What happened was that at the end, the social worker and the supervisor decided to add allegations. And in the report it says that the social worker met with the supervisor and they added an additional allegation. But it doesn't say why. There are no supervisor notes. So this, this, is, this is the kind of cases that, that I work on um, because it's, it's gotten to the point where um, because of the lawsuits, they'd rather take the kids and let the judge decide rather than doing real social work. And that's basically when I, when I left. My um, business uh, is T-E-G Consultants. And my uh, email is, well, my website is tegconsultants.org. Um, my phone number is 951-236-2379. And my email is t e greenstein at yahoo.com. That's t e g r e e n s t e i n at yahoo.com. Today, I want to talk about LA County, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through the LA County policies and procedures for taking children into temporary custody. Now, the reason I'm doing this is that as I go through this, you'll notice that there are specific things and specific timelines that the social worker has to do in order to remove a child. So let me start. Temporary custody is the removal of a child at risk of abuse and neglect from the home of a parent or legal guardian. Temporary custody is subject to the warrant requirement of the U.S. Constitution. This includes placing a child on the hospital hold. To detain a child at risk of abuse or neglect, a social worker must have one of the following. Say they have to have one of these three to be able to take your children legally. One is court order. If the social worker does not have either consent or exigent circumstances, a social worker must obtain a court order to detain a child from the custody of his or her parents or guardians. Let me tell you a little bit about L.A. County. They have judges that just sign them. They, don't, they, just, they kind of just sign them. There's no, there's no going through and seeing what's, what's really going on. They just sign them. The next one is extant circumstances. A uh, social worker may detain a child without a court order if the social worker has reasonable, the key word here is reasonable cause to believe that a child is described by the Welfare Institution Code 300 B, which is general neglect, or G, that's parent incapacitated or lack of a parent, or legal guardian. Now, if the child is in immediate danger of suffering serious physical injury, there is no less intrusive means of protecting the child. This has happened to me. I've gone out on calls, and lo and behold, the house is so filthy that Basically inhabitable uh, for a chil- for children. Basically, what I used to do when that happened is I'd have the child go to a relative while the parents clean up the house, and then the kid can come back once they pick up. So, but that's action circumstances. So let me give you a uh, an example. Child is at immediate risk of serious physical harm or sexual abuse, and a need of immediate medical care for a serious medical condition or physical environment poses an immediate risk to the child's health or safety. And the last one is consent. And that means a parent or guardian consents to the removal of the child. L.A. County, I was a uh, social worker for a foster care agency many, many years ago. And we, we had a lot of L.A. cases and what I found out, and I was very surprised, is that they do these voluntary placements. In other words, they talk the they talk parent into giving up their child and placing their child in, in, in foster care. It, it's the weirdest, weirdest thing, and it's, it's all about money. And I know no other county that does that. So it it just, sometimes I just have to chuckle to myself. Okay, let's go on. We're going to talk about the child and family team. That process is still, pardon me? The process is still applicable and necessary, even with the warrant requirement but the delay in detaining impacts a finding of exigent circumstances. In other words, if a social worker comes out and looks around and doesn't doesn't take the children, he can't just come back and take the children. And sometimes they do that, but they're not supposed to. The meeting should only be used prior to the detention if the child could remain safely in the home in the interim. If during the meeting, new circumstances, and that's what they'll get you, the new circumstances information arise, reevaluate to determine whether extant circumstances exist to detain. Okay. When a, C, when a uh, Child and family team meeting is scheduled to discuss whether the children can remain safely in the custody of one or both parents. The social worker must make contact with the warrant desk to determine whether to begin proceedings to request the removal of a, of a by court order. If a child has been taken into temporary custody and it is determined the child should be released back to the custody of one or both parents before the detention hearing the regional manager or the associate regional manager, they have to approve it. So, let's let's really get into the meat of this. This is the responsibilities that the social worker has to take taking the child into temporary custody. Based upon the results of the investigation and structured decision making, and I'll get to that, safety assessment, if the assessment indicates that the child can remain safely in the home, consult with the supervisor and obtain his or her approval to have the child remain in the home with no further services or the assistance on a, assistance on, of an ongoing services. If there's immediate risk or harm to the child children, utilize the team decision-making process prior to removing the child. Number one, evaluate whether the family and community strengths can be used to form action plans that will enable children to remain safely or immediately return home with appropriate services. Two, identify the risks to the children and the family strengths. Okay. If during the investigation is determined that the family can benefit from community-based services, but not... Limited to the point of engagement services to prevent the removal and allow the child to safely remain in the home, refer the family to appropriate level of services. When law enforcement has been taken oh, let me start again, sorry, when law enforcement has taken the child into temporary custody and it is determined by the department that the children can return home safely, again the assistant regional manager has to sign off okay if one or more safety threats are present and placement is the only protecting intervention possible determine the legal grounds for detention this requires one of the following we went over this parent consent exigent circumstances and court order detention if you do not have parent consent or exigent circumstances, they have to get a warrant. If the child is being removed from the home, the social worker has to provide and review with the family the full disclosure information when a child has been taken into um, the That explains everything that, that goes on in juvenile court and your rights. And, okay and ask the parents if he or she would like to involve his faith-based practitioner or other community support persons to find a suitable placement for the child. What that means is placing a child doesn't necessarily mean in a foster home. Uh, uh, Relatives, teachers, friends, Anybody who's connected with the family and the child has a relationship is a potential placement. I just wanted to let you know that because sometimes social workers will tell you, oh, we have to place here, we have to place there. No, they can do relative placement and should be starting that at the beginning of the detention. Okay, so the social worker has to provide the parent legal guardian with this paperwork. More paperwork and more paperwork. Okay, if the detention involves a drug-exposed infant, they have to request the copy of, a, of the newborn risk assessment and the child's birth records. This is important only because in, while I was working the county. I did take three children in 14 years uh, straight out of the hospital because they were dry exposed, seriously dry exposed. Um, It's not a fun deal. Okay, and I'm going to skip the whole thing on on American Indian heritage because that's a long one. (laughs) So you ask the the questions, the medical questions. They have to ask you all the medical questions. There's a specific form. And if they do take the child, they have to take the medications. They have to sign all these forms. So let me read this. If the parent refuses to sign form 179, or if the parents cannot be located after giving notice to the parents, request the detention port to grant the department the ability to authorize medical, surgical, dental, and other remedial care for the dependent child by a licensed practitioner as needed. Basically, once it goes to detention, that's a standing order, and the judge will do that. After you take the child, if the child is 10 years old or older, the child can make a phone call. Social workers are known not to allow kids to make calls, but they are. They can call their parent, legal guardian, and one to their attorney. Now, once they take the child into custody, the clock starts. Because just like when you're arrested, you, the detention report is like the first hearing in court for a person. In other words, it's just on prima facie, and they make they make a decision. Okay, but they have to do that within 72 hours of removing the child, except excluding weekends. So the social worker has to complete this paperwork called SDM, which is structured. Decision-making. And that's, that's a program all through California. and It's basically a cheat sheet for social workers. You fill in the blanks, add everything up, and it will tell you whether you should take the child or not. That has to be filled out. And then the child has – I mean, excuse me. And then the social worker has to write a detention report. Now, this is the fun part, because social workers have a tendency to exaggerate. So you have to, you have to really, really, really watch what you're saying, you know. So that's basically it on, on temporary custody. Um, you have to know your rights. That's one reason I'm, I'm talking to you about this. Because social workers will lie to you. They'll come and take their children. They won't give you the appropriate paperwork. And you're left wondering what I do. They just give you things and say, show up to court at this day, at this time. And that's it. And then once that's done, social workers generally won't talk to the parents until the report is finished and then... uh, and, of and the last thing is that um, you are by law supposed to get a copy of the report by mail prior to the hearing for you to review. They don't always do that, so be careful.
0: Terry, let me okay, ask you death? a question. Are you, sure. are you saying that as a, a parent, if you detain my child today, and let's say my uh, arraignment detention hearing is going to be on Tuesday or Wednesday, are you saying that I'm supposed to have a copy of the detention report and or petition before I go to court? Yes.
3: Yes. You are supposed to... The the social worker, as soon as they're done writing the report and it's approved, they have to mail a copy out to the parents.
0: That, that, so the that, way that, it, the way it works in uh, LA, yeah, I think. First of all, the the attorney and the parents never get a copy of the detention report and the petition until the morning of the detention hearing. As a matter of fact, I don't think that the social workers even. File the petition and the report until the morning of the hearing. Now, okay. well,
3: that may be. And, and I uh, think poli- that's, that's not how we did it in Riverside. So they may do it a little differently in LA County.
0: Is there a law or a state policy that requires the detention report and the petition to be served on the parents before the
3: detention hearing date? I am going to look that I will look that up, but I know that when we went through the all the, the our checklist, that was one thing that was on the checklist that once it's approved and signed, you just you, we actually gave it to someone and they would mail it off. We'd give it you know to one of the secretaries and they would mail it off and it would be um what do they call it, request um, of return,
0: return re- right. yeah, that's how we do it in Riverside. I think they do that, they do it, they don't do that in most counties.
3: We did it. I don't know if it's still policy in Riverside, but <sighs> child protective services, any of them, are reactive rather than proactive and their policies and procedures. And I think something happened and there was some kind of lawsuit or something. And then all of a sudden we were always supposed to do them, but we didn't. And then all of a sudden we got a memorandum that said, you have to do it to be in compliance. Now in Riverside uh, County, we, they had the uh, juvenile defense panel and they were, Located right next to the court building, so they just picked up things after they're filed. They just they would just be delivered to the attorneys. So I don't know about LA County, but that's how Riverside worked.
0: That's very interesting. Um, you know, it's always been something a pet peeve of mine when um, reports and petitions aren't served in a timely basis. And if you ever bring it up at court, the judge looks at like, looks at you like, you know, sometimes, you know, are, are you serious, Mr. Davis, that you're arguing the notice issue? Not all judges. I should, shouldn't say that, but I'll give you an example of something that happened to me maybe two months ago. I appeared at a detention hearing representing a mother and about 10:30, I got the petition with the detention uh, report and the exhibits. You know, it was maybe a quarter inch thick. At 11:30, the bailiff came out and asked me, "Hey, uh, are you ready to do your case? Um, I think the judge wants to do the case." And I said, "Well, I'm not ready. You've given me, you know, a quarter inch worth of paperwork." I haven't even read all of it. I haven't gone over it with my client so that we can try to prepare some type of defense for the detention hearing. And, you know, the bailiff looked at me like I was crazy. Um, we didn't do that case until the afternoon. And here's what happened. Um, the, the the judge did detain the child um, and then set it for a uh, a receipt of report date and an, and a trial date. Now the receipt of the report date was, as you know, Terry, for the jurisdictional and dispositional hearing report to be turned in. Right. hmm And the receipt of the and, and I forget the exact date, but it was like this. The receipt of the report date was on Monday. The trial was on Wednesday. And I you know, I kind of refracted yeah. I said, Look, if I get the report on Monday I won't even be able to subpoena the witnesses that I will need for the trial date by when? And the judge gave me a couple of extra days, but it was like, I think, the, you know, I think the statute, I haven't looked at it, requires that report to be maybe five or ten days before the actual trial. Like, how do you get a report, and, and with you know, that's going to be an inch thick, And go to trial two days later, you haven't even had a chance to review it. You haven't had a chance to review it with your client. You haven't had a chance to subpoena witnesses. You know, what are you going to do, subpoena them overnight and tell them to be there, you know, the next day? They're going to be pissed off or they're going to make a motion to quash that subpoena. So, you know, when I bring these types of little things up, it seems to be disturbing um, the way that business is done sometimes in these courts And you know, I get funny looks. Nobody ever says anything because I I think deep down they know I'm probably right. But I do get these funny reactions, Um, and and that's always been a pet peeve of mine. Now I'm going to confess something. After 31 years as a lawyer, I did not know petition and the detention report were supposed to be given to the parents before the detention hearing. Makes a lot of sense to me, but I've just never seen that done. And I've done cases in a lot of different counties. I've done, you know, many, many cases in uh, Los Angeles County. And that is, I, I will say that that has never happened for me, for my client. Never. I just, you know, I just started, wow. I just, I was, I was just was hired on a case um, in Orange County. And you said something that applies to this case. But I was just hired for the case and the hearing, wow. it, they detained the child at the hospital and yesterday they told the parents, you're not allowed to see the kid. You're not allowed to be around the kid, blah, 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 blah. And I asked them, I said, well, did somebody serve a warrant on you? And they said, no. And I asked them, I said, well, who told you this? And they said, well, the hospital workers said that the county social workers said that we are not allowed to be around the child at all. And there's no, You know, there's no um, warrant. There's no court order. And the hearing is going to come up. The the detention hearing is Wednesday, uh, which was more than 48 hours, but there's a case that gives them 72 hours. So it's Wednesday. And I know for a fact that I will not get any of the paperwork, and my client will not get any of the paperwork until we walk into that courtroom Wednesday morning. I'll hand us you know on uh, this case it's a it's kind of a serious injury case that, you know i can, I am anticipating the uh detention report and the petition to be at least a half an inch to a three quarter inch thick of material, and then they will want us as they always do uh, to do the detention hearing that morning or that afternoon yeah you know it would help if you were given the paperwork a day or two before. But that's not how the counties operate. And the more I'm thinking about it, if you come up with the the the, um, the authority in the policies and procedures or in the law that says they should be getting it a day or two before the hearing, I'm going to consider bringing a lawsuit about that issue because nobody does it. You know, it was like you know they. It was like the, all of the counties were detaining kids for decades without, you know, a court order or a warrant. And then, you know, Sean McMillan down in San Diego says, hey, you know, scratches his head and says, hey, this is unconstitutional. And he brings a lawsuit to not require people to do this. Had right. he never brought that lawsuit, I don't think anybody would have ever thought about it. As a matter of fact, I think I read something. Um, he has that same case in Arizona. And Arizona is in the Ninth Circuit, which is in California. And he's arguing with um, the people down there, in, the, in this case, that the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution applies to social workers taking children. Apparently, in Arizona, they don't get warrants. They don't get court orders. And he has a lawsuit. And if it's um, if it's what I think, he's going to win. And, he's, and Arizona's going to have to change the way they do business. Interesting thing is also I've talked to many people just across the country that call me or that listen to their show and they tell me, Hey, you know, I ask them, Did you get a warrant? Did the social worker give you a warrant? And they're like, What's that? Well, it's kind of like a court order that they can take their kids. No, I've never seen that. No, I I don't need know what you're talking about. I talked to a woman I talked to a woman in Florida. Um and they detained her child, and uh, I didn't talk directly to her attorney, but her attorney said, they never get warrants in this county in Florida. And, you know, the the Constitution applies everywhere. Well, let me tell you, Florida,
3: Florida a few years ago, Florida a few years ago lost the kids. In other words, their their system was so bad that they lost track of kids. Literally lost track of kids in the system. And it was a big deal and I think they had to change everything. In fact it impacted us because we had to go back and do something too. That, again, remember I said they're they're reactive, not proactive. So right. well, it's
0: just, just shortly, I'm running out of time, but I will tell you this quick story. So here's the case in Florida: um, the lady gets her kid taken away, child's put in foster care. Um, she demands to have a trial, and like four months later, they have a trial. And I was looking at the Florida statute, and I'm not, I'm not a Florida attorney, but it says you know, you're supposed to have the trial in 30 days, something similar to California, but you know. Re- Rarely happens. So that's not true. They've made arrangements. They're now trying to stick to that statute. So I take that back. But in Florida, she had a trial like three or four months later, and she won the trial. Then guess what happens? The social workers decide not to give her her kid back. The judge found the petition not true and dismissed the case. The social workers left the kid in foster care and would not give her. The child would not tell her where the child was. And when she finally got a hold of the social worker, she said, "Well, we don't agree with the." She said, "We don't agree, allegedly, child back." So she was calling around. She ended up finding me. Now I'm in California. She's in Florida. And she says, "Is that?" She says, "Is that legal?" And I said, well, unless you've told me the story wrong, that's not legal at all. Talk Mm -hmm. to your attorney. Your attorney needs to do ABC. Giving credit to her attorney, her attorney did do ABC. And they filed some kind of special motion or writ or something. And another judge finally told the social worker, hey, you got to give this child back immediately. And she did get her child back. And I think she wants to pursue a lawsuit because... The reason why it came out during the trial, the reason why the social worker took the child in the first place were all lies made up by that original social worker, allegedly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, then the court finds that it's not true, and then they hold on the kid for another, like, four or five weeks and and, and don't give the child back to the mother. Now, that's outrageous. You know, I, I thought I had heard and seen everything in my 31 years of practice, but that was, that was outrageous. Terry, I'm running out of time. I want to thank you for calling in. We're definitely going to have you come back as a guest, but thank you very much.
3: Thank you, Ben.
0: Oh, have,
3: have a good day.
0: You too. I'm running out of time um, on the show, and I have to end it. I'm on my way to San Diego to meet uh, some clients. And so, everyone, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week on the radio.